name. Amen. Amen. Good word. Let's all stand. Good to see. Yeah, give him a hand. <clears throat> That's a pretty weak hand. Let's do that again. <laughs> Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. I asked my wife to share with me tonight. She said, no, you go it alone tonight, so I will miss her. But she'll jump up here if I get off, so if I get too, too wound up. I actually been hanging out with my 14-year-old grandson today who was here from Charlotte. Went home, took a nap, and almost missed the service, but uh, glory to God. <laughs> Let's pray. How many, before we pray, let me, let me uh, just, par- just share a little bit about where we're going tonight. We're going to talk about our country. We're going to talk about our country, and uh, Sunday we're going to celebrate the wonderful country that we have and the founding of it and some of the documents and what God's original intent was. If you don't know original intent, then you can get off track. You've heard this before, I'm sure all of you, that a, a, a sailboat coming out of a harbor, uh, a degree off course is no big deal in the harbor, and it's really no big deal about a mile or two from the land. But if you're going to fl- sail all the way over the ocean, a degree is significant. It can mean disaster to you if you're a degree off course when you begin. And we really need to return to our original intent in this nation uh, I watch a lot of Fox News. I watch a lot of news. I read a lot of news. I love news. I want to take my own survey. Everybody's got a survey out there. How many of you would say that this is the greatest or one of the greatest countries on the face of the earth? Can I see your hands? Looks like we got about 100%. How many of you would say that the original intent of this nation, as far as you know, was awesome, God-inspired, and started going the right direction. Can I see your hands? Praise God. We got, we got a great poll here, free. No, maybe we'll take an offering. Maybe we'll take a second offering. But uh, now, everybody, turn to your name and tell us, all right to laugh on Wednesdays. How many of you believe that this nation is going the right direction And you're just really excited about all the wonderful things that are happening in this nation. Can I see your hands? How, okay. How many of you would say that this nation appears on the surface to be going the wrong direction and you're not really sure what needs to be done? Can I see your hands? Okay, we got the right group here. Now let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for this nation. We thank you that as we celebrate this 240 years uh, of the Declaration of Independence, Lord, that we do so thanking you that we live in a nation that is free. We have some challenges, but we thank you, Lord, for the original intent of this nation. We thank you that it is based on Christian Judeo-ethical values that have not changed one bit. Some of the things in our country have changed, but the foundation of Christian Judeo values for this nation, the Word of God has not changed. It is still the truth, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody say it. So let's say it. The Word of God God is truth. truth. If I live the Word, I I will be blessed. And if I don't, I I won't. won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor it's just that simple. David and Perpetua are newest citizens in the United States, in this church. Yeah, give them a hand. I just always, 
When I hear reports about people who came to America and wanted to become citizens and they talk about what it meant to them, it just, it just really touches my heart. Would you guys want to come up here and just share a word? Just about what it means to you to be American citizens. They're from Kenya. They love their country of Kenya. They love America. Give them a hand and go ahead. I don't know where to start, but probably I've said this before that I, we were given, granted American citizenship out of mercy. This is an amazing thing. Usually there are several channels you can use. You can be very rich. And, and, and then prove that you have the resources to do significant stuff. Or you can be very smart. And, and, and that is the path usually coming through the university that one would take. But we couldn't make the cut, so I was given, we were given, we applied to Washington, D.C. and given on the grounds of mercy. And to me, that was really significant because for, for that to be coming from a government office, if, if you apply to a Kenyan office on grounds of mercy... I don't know. They will put you in jail. This, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like that in the law. But it tells me that there's there's a depth of of mercy. There's a depth of godliness in this nation. And when and when I hear the press and people bad mouthing America, I feel like punching them in the face. This is <laughs> is the greatest nation on the planet. Uh, that I haven't been to other nations, but I have interacted with a lot of people at Purdue University, and I haven't seen anybody with a depth of compassion and mercy and openness that I've seen in the American people. God bless the United States of America. Praise Amen. Uh, actually, I don't have much to say. I guess he said most of it. Um, I came, I joined him because he came to school and I couldn't be left back home the first time he came, he left me out there. But then on the second time, they recalled him. Um, I knew it was going to be a long time, and I couldn't stay out there alone. So I decided to join him, and we ended up staying and staying and staying. And little did we know it was going to be maybe forever until <laughs> until that day, the Lord tells, you know. But... Um, this, this is a good country. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing for me that I've observed is the work with God, especially the church. That is my only main challenge because the political correctness, I'm yet to get used to it. And I know I rub people sometimes the wrong way because I'm unable to hold it. But um, mine is to exhort you Christians, stand with the word and stand firm. Don't let go. No matter what you see, out there the world is looking and looking to you to, bring, to take the same thing that you took. It, it, it initially came from here to the rest of the world, but it's sort of like evaporated. But that has to come. The Christians have to stand and start with the word. I don't want to add more. <laughs> Praise God. Give, give them a hand. <laughs> give them a hand. <clears throat> I want to paraphrase uh, this message tonight. And I hope I can deliver it without it sounding um, 
like a bad report. Uh, we come to church to be encouraged, exhorted, and edified. And I believe with all of my heart that the best days are ahead for America if we make some changes. Uh, Pam's dad uh, never liked to make change in direction when he was driving, uh, and that if he went the wrong way, he just kept going the wrong way. And uh, one time you were heading to the East Coast somewhere. Yeah, you were supposed to turn around and head back to Indiana, but he was heading for the Atlantic. And his mom or his wife, Lou, said, you're going the wrong direction. And he said, no, I'm not going the wrong direction. And he kept right on heading into the Atlantic. Well, he could have prayed. They could have prayed. Everybody could have prayed. But they were going into the Atlantic unless they turned a car around. And when this nation began, you know, a lot. I hear a lot of people saying, well, if we just pray, everything's going to be okay. That's true. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's true. If we just put uh, uh, faith to, work, to works and, and, and make it action, then that's going to happen. That's true, too. Tell your neighbor, that's true. One without the other isn't going to work. George Washington was a man of prayer, but he was also a man of bullets. He was a man of action. He knew that you had to kill the enemy. In that case, it was the British who wanted to destroy the American citizens that were trying to become citizens. So you had to put some action and do something that you wouldn't particularly like to do. And sometimes we can get into a lethargic, complacent attitude where we accept things just because everybody else seems to be accepting it. And we don't want to rock the boat, and we don't want to make anybody feel bad about themselves. And we want everybody to be happy, and we want everything to be all right. And so then we accept things that we shouldn't be accepting. Have I lost you yet? Or are you with me? If you're with me, raise your hand and tell me, keep going. Okay, all right. I was watching, now, now this will get a little gruesome here, but I was watching the, the bombing that just took place, the terrorist attack in um, uh, Istanbul. And uh, the tragedy, I don't know what the current death toll is i think it's 35 40 yeah and uh, pam's pam's brother was just in that heading to that airport uh when it happened uh and uh, his our sister-in-law is coming out of that airport tonight at midnight or the, yeah they may have already left in that very airport in that very terminal <clears throat> there's one scene that i think depicts uh what this message is about tonight if the body of Christ and the people who have truth don't stand up, speak up, and begin to act up, we're going to continue to go the wrong way into the ocean. We're going to continue to go off the cliff. And some people, and, and I know even sometimes I have people in the family say, I think you get a little bit radical about this. I think that the body of Christ has been asleep for a long time. And we don't know how much authority and power and dominion we have and influence. Everybody say influence. Turn to your name and tell you, you have great influence. There's a rule of six or something like that about how many people you know that would really go all the way around the world and touch everybody in the world. And that if everybody just did what they needed to do, we would influence people for good, certainly for the gospel and for Jesus Christ. But we would be able to share the truth that people need to hear. Without the truth, people will always believe a lie. Repeat that after me. Without the truth, people will always believe a lie. Adolf Hitler rose to fame 
in uh, fame and infamy in Germany because he operated with this basic uh, assumption. If you can reach children, you can change a nation. And if you repeat a lie often enough and consistently enough, people will eventually begin to believe it. And we are living in a society today like that. And I was watching that one segment of video. It's horrible to watch, but that one segment of video where, how many of you saw where the terrorist, one of the terrorists, was running through the airport shooting people. Uh, he had been identified by security, apparently, and, and, and he had a bomb uh, strapped to him, and he was shot, and he went down. How many of you saw that? And, and he was moving around. Uh, you, you, you're all with me so far, the ones that saw it? He's moving around. And, and they think that was a security a person, an armed security person that came up to him, looked at him, and as he laid there, he opened up his vest, and they saw the, he saw the, the security person saw the bomb and ran away. I was in an Israeli anti-terrorist training camp when we were in Israel, some of you have been there. Miriam was there. Sandy was there. Uh, Jerry and Karen and others that were over there. And, and, and they were telling us how they, how they handle terrorists. And the very example that I saw on the television is not how they handle a terrorist. And what happened was, as that terrorist was allowed to lay there, he was able to detonate. Certainly killing himself, he knew that. That's what his plan was. But also probably killing many other people there. The Israeli Defense Force trains their people that when you shoot a person that's down, you go up quickly and shoot them in the head and kill them. Because they're armed, they have a bomb, and they're looking to kill as many people as they can. And that our motto is, we don't kill people, we save people. Everybody say that. We don't kill people, we save people. And if you kill a terrorist who's trying to kill thousands of people, have you saved people or have you killed a person? Have you taken somebody out of the way that should have been taken out of the way? And when I saw that, it's like the Israelis have the answer for that situation. It didn't happen. And because the security man allowed the person to wiggle around there and detonate that bomb, people were killed that didn't have to be killed. You might wonder, what the heck does that have to do with anybody here? How many times have we not opened our mouth and said what we know the Holy Spirit wanted us to say, but we didn't want to accept, I mean, uh, upset anybody? Can I see the hands of all the people? You know somebody who resembles the remark I just told you. It's time to not only shake the boat, it's time to sink some of the boats that are out there on political correctness, on truth, and on things that we need to be doing as Christians. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, there's a plan for you and me. Now, you might say, well, how does all of that fit into what we're doing and what we're going to talk about today? The word tonight is, America, what happened? Turn to your neighbor and say, America, what happened? This great light to the world, which we still are. What happened to the basic original intent of this nation? We 
are living in a situation, by the way, this is not a, 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 a political rally for Republicans or Democrats, okay? Our libertarians, our independents, or whatever. But how did we get in this situation over the years? I don't know for sure if this report is accurate. But in the last election, it was 20, I think it was 20 million, I could be wrong, but 20 million evangelicals did not vote. If anybody knows the exact number, just shout it out. But it was 20 million evangelicals didn't even vote in the election. Now, some people might say, well, does it make a difference who the president is? Can the president, can one person make a difference? The answer for our nation is prayer. Everybody say, that's true. But how many of you realize that with prayer and with George Washington, this nation was birthed? And that there could have been another George Washington, but God had him positioned exactly where God wanted him to be. And he felt like he had a divine appointment to help birth this nation. So, and, and he knew that there was going to have to be bloodshed. Everybody say bloodshed. We don't like bloodshed, do we? We don't like things like that. We don't like... Let me see the people, the hands of all the people who you just like to do things that upset other people. Can I see your hands? How many of you don't like to upset anybody? Okay, we're going to get rid of that, and we're going to change that, because sometimes you have to say what the Holy Spirit... No, not sometimes. All of the time, you have to say and proclaim what the Holy Spirit is telling you, and it doesn't matter what anybody says. Now... I want to start out by, by stating this. The United States of America is a Christian Judeo nation founded on Christian Judeo ethical values, old covenant, new covenant, and dedicated to Jesus Christ to be a light to the world. This is a Christian nation where people of all faiths are free to come and to worship as they please. How many of you believe that? Can I see your hands? Now, what happens then is if you don't believe that and the original intent, you will hear a voice that is contrary to that, and you'll start to repeat what you heard, even though it isn't true. The president of the United States has declared that the United States of America is no longer a Christian nation. How many of you believe that's an error? That is an error. He can believe whatever he wants. He can proclaim whatever he wants. But this is a Christian nation. Now, if you read Psalms 30, uh, Psalms, uh, let me give you a couple of scriptures here to go along with that. Uh, Psalms 24, 1, the earth and the fullness thereof belong to almighty God. Is the United States part of the earth? Yes, we are. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're part of the earth. Then you look at Psalms 33.10. Let's take a look at a couple of these scriptures here before we go on. 33.10, and it says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen, as his inheritance. First Supreme Court Justice of the United States said that it is the duty of Christians in America to elect and to prefer Christians to be their rulers based on the fact that this is a Christian nation and who but a Christian would know how to rule or how to be president in a Christian nation. Does that make sense to you so far? Shake your head if it does. 
because I know it's more fun to jump up and down and shout and clap and twirl and shoot your hands and all that kind of stuff. But, folks, I'm telling you, we got a nation that is in serious, serious trouble. And if we don't do something about it, with the influence that we have, then we'll continue to go the direction that we're going. And what happens then is we get to the point when we say, well, maybe we're no longer a Christian nation. Do we have more uh, Muslims in America than we used to do? Yes, they're free to come and they're free to worship, but they don't make this not a Christian nation. Do we have more people who are maybe Hindus than we used to have? Yeah, we probably do because we have more people. We have 350 some million in this Christian nation who are free to worship as they want to or as they don't want to, but it is a Christian nation. Everybody say we're a Christian nation. If you don't believe we're a Christian nation, then you won't believe the Word of God applies to us the way God wants it to do and the way our forefathers did, and we're going to talk about this. This book right here. Now, it's not about being a Republican. It's not about being a Democrat. It's not about being a Libertarian. It's not about being an agnostic. It's not about anything other than truth. And if truth prevails and if truth is told, then truth will always win out. And Jesus said, you should know the truth, and the truth shall what will the truth do? This book is called Rules for Radicals. Now, some of you are going to wonder right now, uh-oh, I think he's getting too political here. So turn to your neighbor and say, that's a bad thought. <laughs> now turn back to him and say, truth is truth. This book. Now, I don't know if Donald Trump will be a good president or not. I don't know if Hillary Clinton will be a good president or not. Thank you for helping me say that, Lord. <laughs> I don't know if that libertarian, I don't even know his name, is going to be a good president or not. Little granddaughter Molly in the car the other day, I, 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 I have this burden for young people. They're not hearing the truth in school. I don't think they're hearing the truth in a lot of families because of the age of technology. I think there's so much busyness in families. Pam alluded to it Sunday. I think there's so much going on that we aren't training up our children the way they should go. Train up a child in the Word of God, and they'll not depart from it. So little Molly's in a car, and Molly brings up politics, and she said something about uh, uh, the election. And I said, oh, really? Uh, now, Molly's seven, seven years old. I said, uh, well, Molly, who are you going to vote for if you could vote? She said, Hillary. I said, oh. Okay? Now listen, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I said, uh, but, I, but she did get my attention. I said, well, why are you going to vote for Hillary? I said, because she's a woman. That's okay. Are there any other reasons? Nope. Just because she's a woman. And I thought, okay, that's fine. That's, that's all right. Where did she hear that? That's not a normal seven-year-old thought. Where did she hear that? In talking to my grandkids, uh, I'm amazed at some of the things that they will share with me that they've heard. Things that would be contrary to the founding fathers of this nation. Sometimes they hear it in school. Sometimes they hear it in some of the other extended family members. And I'm very quick to be vocal and say, you know what? That is not truth. Let me tell you the truth. Now, I thank God that with my grandchildren, with most of our, my grandchildren, I have their respect and I have influence 
And I'm not about to let them go the way of what some parents do and say, well, when they get older, they can make their own decision. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Your kids should be in church. You should be, they should be in, in every single youth service and children's service we have. And if it's possible, every single time the doors are open, they should be here because the most important thing in their life is to know the leading of the Holy Spirit and to know about what this nation stands for. If you understand the Word of God, you'll understand what America stands for. Now, it always gets quiet in here. You got a joke? You want to give a cheer or something like that? Are you getting anything out of this, or you just wish you hadn't come tonight? Just humor me along. Are you getting anything out of this? If you are, raise your hand. Okay, all right. I didn't see a single hand raised. This book is called Rules for Radicals. Now, this book was written by Saul Alinsky. This book is very prominent in a lot of progressive circles, uh, in very socialistic circles, and it is how to change a nation, and, and basically how to undermine a nation so that you can play on their weaknesses and so that you can change the course of a nation to become more of a Marxist-type nation, and that if you repeat things oftenly and consistently enough, and if you learn how to agitate, and if you learn how to continually cause things to be bad, and if you continually say bad things about a nation, then the nation will eventually question their moral value. And they will come away from the direction that they had started, and they will begin to turn with the way you want them to go. This book is the book that President Obama said changed his life. This is the book that President Obama used in Chicago and used in the law school up there and believes it is one of the greatest books that he's ever read that influenced his life. This book is the book that Hillary Clinton did her paper on in college. She was an acolyte of Saul Alinsky, and she loved this book. It changed her life. Now, you say, why are you asking me to read that book? If somebody wants to be president of the United States and they have a favorite book, you ought to read it. You think that's, you think that's wisdom? I tell Molly, now Molly's too young for this book, but if Molly were voting age, I'd say, Molly... This is the book that Hillary Clinton loves. I want you to read this book. It has shaped her life. And then I want you to tell me if you still want to vote for her and then go out and vote for her. I just finished reading, uh, I've read this book. Uh, I read a book that Donald Trump wrote on, uh, what the heck was it? Reshaping America. I don't know if I can trust Donald Trump or not. But when he tells me in his book that he wants to appoint Supreme Court justices that will overturn Roe versus Wade, when he wants to support, uh, uh, appoint Supreme Court justices who will be constitutional scholars and who will live the Constitution and not legislate from the bench, then he has my attention. Whether he's right or wrong, whether I can trust him, I don't really know. But it, you have to know the issue. Turn to your neighbors, you have to know the issues. Now, when I say that, and you say, well, what the heck does this book have to do with anything? Well, we're in spiritual warfare, folks. Do you believe spiritual warfare is going on? How many of you believe spiritual warfare is going on? Why 
would there be in the, in the world today? Think about this just for a moment. In the world today, there are two nations that really are the target of the, of the devil. Israel and America. What two worlds were founded on the word of God? Israel and America. Why is it that everyone seems to be coming against terrorists, those two nations? One called the big Satan, America. One called the little, little Satan, Israel. Because the devil hates America. The devil hates Israel. Now, you say, well, why are you talking about the book? And why are you talking about the devil? And why all of this? How many of you believe there is a devil? You need to teach their children there is a devil. A lot of people don't want to get in. Oh, I don't think there's a devil. No, I don't want anybody to think there's a devil. There is a devil. And he's walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. He's trying to destroy this nation. <clears throat> okay. How many of you have ever read this book? Can I see your hands? I want to read the page where Saul Alinsky, avowed Marxist, dedicated the book. Lest we forget at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement to the very first radical from all our legends, mythology, and history, and who is to know where mythology leaves off and history begins, or which is which. The first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that he at least has won his own kingdom, dedicated to Lucifer. Dedicated to Lucifer. You might say, well, now, what the heck does that have to do with anything? Well, if you got some people that want to fundamentally change the United States of America and make it into a nation that it was never originally intended to be, don't you think you'd want to know that? Don't you think somebody would want to know that? Don't you think somebody would want to find out what's going on here? Because in our nation today, we were founded on a, as a Christian Judeo nation. Then we have people that say, well, no, we're, we're no longer that. And I say, well, who said that? God didn't say that. God didn't change the course of this nation. The course of this nation in the original tent hasn't changed a bit. So then we listen to a man or we listen to a person and we listen to a lie repeated often enough and consistently enough. Does that sound a little bit like Adolf Hitler? Often enough and consistently enough that people will eventually hear it over and over and over again. And what will they do? They will believe it. Now, what is the root challenge that we really need to get to to determine what we're going to do? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you have great influence. I want us to look in the book of James, chapter 3, because we are living in a time frame. We're living in a time frame where everything is becoming self self-centered, how I feel. Covenant seems to be going by the wayside. Uh, people are, are into narcissistic behavior. Uh, what's in it for me? When am I going to get mine? All of these types of things. Instead of living a life of giving, I think it was John F. Kennedy who said this 
in one of his inaugural addresses, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Our country needs what you have to be able to influence people that this is a Christian Judeo nation and, and, and standing up when people are saying, you know, I think that, it, that, it, that, it, that and the Holy Spirit tells you, now you fill in the blanks, but how many of you know what I'm talking about? And the Holy Spirit starts to tell you what to say, and you're just about ready to say it, but something inside you is screaming, shut up, shut up, don't say a word. This is the family dinner. You haven't eaten the turkey yet. They may throw you out. Uh, remember that time, honey, that lady went screaming down the hallway? What, I, I'm trying to think. What did you say? Yeah, yeah. We were, in, we were in Tulsa, just arrived in Tulsa. Some of you heard the story. Just arrived in Tulsa, didn't know very many people out there, really just trying to get together with the new marriage and all, and we didn't have really hardly any friends, and we're invited to this lady's house with about eight couples, maybe, I don't know, several people there, and this lady was talking about how she's going to divorce her husband and go into the ministry. She was called. Her husband was kind of a heavy weight around her neck. I'm paraphrasing a lot of that stuff right now, and she's going to dump him and, and go on first ministry, and my wife sitting right next to her. I'm just still getting to know her. And she says to the lady, God is not mocked. And I tell you what, I get ready with your ears because this is what happened. She jumped, ah, started running down the hallway and locked herself in a bathroom, I think. Bedroom. And I'm sitting there thinking, we just met these people and we're trying to find friends. And this lady's going crazy. And finally, they, they tried to get her out. They couldn't get her out. And finally, the lady, the hostess came to us and said, it might be better if you all left. <laughs> we left. But you know what? Afterwards, Pam and I were talking about the lady was deceived by the devil. And, and when the truth came in, it just drove her crazy and drove her over the edge. Hopefully, she got set free. I don't know if she did or not. But, folks, I believe it's coming to the point in time when we're going to have to get over that. I don't want to upset. I don't, wanna, I don't want somebody to get mad at me. I'm just, I just going to hold my tongue. No, it's time to open your mouth and let that thing flow. In love, in peace, with boldness, and say that is not true. Let me tell you what the truth is about this nation. Let me tell you what the truth is about abortion. Let me tell you what the Word of God says about the sanctity of marriage. Do, do we accept? See, here, we're getting to the point, I believe in this nation, where we accept the sin and, and in the church. I meant to say we're getting to the point in a lot of churches. We accept the sin, sinner. I'll say that right in just a moment. We accept the sinner. Everybody say, we accept the sinner. But in a lot of churches, this is what's happening. We accept the sinner, and we accept the sin. And what you're doing is okay. We don't want you to feel bad about yourself. So therefore, we accept everything that's going on. And you start not to preach what God is showing you, but you start to share what people would like to hear to be encouraged, exhorted, and edified, and not to feel bad about themselves. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever had the conviction of the Holy Spirit come upon you? You felt bad about yourself when you felt the revelation of what you've done. You repented, you turned, and it was the best thing that ever happened to you. That is exactly where we are in this nation. That is exactly where we are in churches today. You cannot get a sinner to repent of sin if they don't think it's sin. 
They're going to continue doing what they're doing because they feel like God's grace is sufficient. That's true. God's grace is sufficient. His unmerited favor is always there. But if you don't turn from driving to the Atlantic Ocean, you're going to drive into the Atlantic Ocean. But if you'll turn away from where you're going, all of the blessings of God are going to come upon you and overtake you. We love sinners. We hope they'll all come to this church. We don't care what lifestyle they're in. We want them in this church. We don't care how many people have had an abortion. We want them in this church. But I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to tell them if they're pregnant, don't get that abortion. Let us help you through this. And I read this in the paper the other day, and part of it infuriated me, and then part of it was like, oh, Bill, you know, lighten up. But it was written by a pastor, and it was in the Journal and Courier. And, and, and he's had some controversial articles in there from my standpoint. But he was talking about how many people in the, in the church are judgmental. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's never judgmental to tell the truth. It's never, it's never judgmental to tell the truth. And a pregnant girl, it was about 15 years ago, came to him in his church. And she was young. I think she was about 18. I, I'm not positive the age, but I think she was about 18. And uh, she became pregnant. And she came to him as the pastor and said, Pastor, do you think it's a sin if I get an abortion? And he said, not wanting to be judgmental, I told her that, well, that really is between you and God. Uh, I don't think that God would want you to do that, but that's between you and God. You make the decision. You do what you feel you need to do, uh, but it's not for me to judge you. She came back to him about two, three months later, and said, Pastor, I decided to go ahead and have the abortion. And she did. She had the abortion. And he said that the lady was able to come on into our church and come back to me because, uh, because of how I handled that whole situation. When I read that, on the surface, it sounded good. It sounded all right. I remember that was about 15 years ago. On the surface, that sounded like, yeah, maybe, maybe he did that right. But, but inside me, it didn't feel right. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When it, it says, it doesn't feel right in my spirit. What if he had said, abortion is sin. And God will love you if you get an abortion, but it is sin. And that you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't have an abortion. Instead of feeling bad about having an abortion after 15 years, she could be celebrating her child's 15th birthday. I thank God for the women who have come to this church and got pregnant out of wedlock and had their baby. I thank God for each and every one of you. Uh, we've had all sorts of stories that would come in here that maybe in a mainland denominational church, they say, what are you guys preaching there? I don't know, but it's good. People are coming. But see... It's not that we judge the sin, but what if you told somebody that was contemplating an abortion, you know, that's really sin? Sometimes we have a tendency to think that to tell somebody something based on the Word of God that might hurt their feelings would hurt their feelings. Wouldn't you want to hurt somebody's feelings, not intentionally, with the truth that would cause them to open their heart to receive all God had for them, rather than to say, I know that was a mistake that they made. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you know the answer. 
You know the answer to that. Somebody interceded in your life somewhere along the line. Pam, I remember when you told me that all that you had gone through and, and one day God told you divorce is a sin. And, and I remember when you told that to me and I said, well, that applies to me. Divorce is a, is a sin. Now, God will heal the sinner and God will forgive the, uh, the sin. But if you think divorce is of God and that there's no sin on your part or any other thing that you want to fill in the blanks, then you'll walk without the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. And many times we're called to be a catalyst to share with people that they're going the wrong direction. Now think about this, this in America today, because I believe there are three things that, uh, that I want to sh- share in this message that's causing America to go the wrong direction. Number one, we are suffering from a lack of integrity. The word integrity means an absolute adherence to a code of moral values. An absolute adherence to a code of moral values. Psalms 26, uh, uh, Proverbs 11.4. Uh, if you have those, that you can put them up on the screen right there. Sorry, I got carried away a little bit here. But uh, Proverbs 26, 1 and 2 says, Vindicate me, O Lord, if I've not kept my integrity. Uh, same thing in, in uh, uh, Psalms 26.11. Uh, there's a 26 to examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Uh, but as for me, I will walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be merciful to me. An absolute adherence to a code of moral values. In the world today and in uh, colleges and universities, uh, they're teaching situational ethics. No absolute values, no absolute moral conduct values, but situational ethics. Uh, Proverbs 11.3 is another one uh, that talks about uh, the importance of, uh, let's see, let me get here, Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Absolute adherence to a code of moral values. In this nation, what is that? It's the Word of God. Number two, if we don't do something in this nation regarding abortion, I believe God's going to judge the nation. I really do. I know some people say God's not going to judge the nation. We have 60 million babies that have been aborted in this nation. 60 million babies aborted, and the number is growing. We have people that are running for, to be president of the United States. I'm not picking who to vote for, but I'll tell you what. For me and hopefully my house, we're voting for somebody that will want to support Supreme Court justices who will overturn Roe versus wait. It is from the pit of hell. The devil has always wanted to destroy babies in the womb, and it is absolutely demonic abortion on demand in this nation, and partial birth abortion is more demonic than that. And it is horrible that any person, anyone, would be for partial birth abortion, and we have that at the highest level of this nation right now. And the third thing is the sanctity of marriage. If we continue going the way we are, Our children are going to be taught in our schools. They're already being taught this in some schools, not all schools. But they're being taught about how to recognize and accept alternate lifestyles. And they're being taught how to embrace situations and circumstances with the strong lobbying group of homosexual lesbianism, uh, all of that. And if you think, you know what, I just don't believe it. I think we should love those people. I agree with you. We should love those people. Tell your neighbor, we should love those people. We should love those people. We should invite them into our church. 
will tell them the truth so they can get set free. Love them, love them, love them, and tell them the truth all at the same time. If we would do that as a nation, how many people, 20 million people didn't vote in the last election? How many of those 20 million people may not even open their mouth and tell people that's not right, that's wrong? If we don't change, we're going to continue on. I want to give you uh, something as we close here tonight. It's called uh, the, uh, the cycle of nations. Most civilizations only last about 20, uh, 200 years. And some of you, about two years ago, I did this maybe three years ago. But here it is. Oh, it wouldn't all fit, would it? Well, that's okay. Uh, this is, this is the, the cycle of, of nations. Number one, they go from bondage to spiritual faith. Pretty much what happened in our revolution here. Came out from under the bondage of uh, uh, liberty, uh, freedom, uh, the Mayflower Compact, and then uh, Christopher Columbus. We're going to talk a little bit about that Sunday. And, uh, but bondage to spiritual faith. And then number two, from spiritual faith to great courage. What courage this nation displayed when it became independent. And then from courage to liberty, they proclaimed liberty throughout the land. Our liberty bell, uh, taken right out of the old covenant. Uh, Number four, from liberty to abundance. There is no nation on the face of the earth that has had the blessings of God come upon them and overtake them, Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2, like the United States of America. We are a wealthy nation because we are God's nation God's nation and God's nation who stood up for Israel. And then what happens is they go from abundance to complacency. Come seek. uh, Go back to that one just a moment. Uh, Yeah, right there, number five. From abundance to complacency. How many of you realize, forget about America for right now, how many of you realize there are some areas in your life you become complacent? How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like, I should work out every day. Well, I work out every other day. Well, I'm tired today. I'll work out tomorrow. Well, I'll do this. And all of a sudden, you just get complacent. And the more complacent you get, it becomes a habit. And you just kind of live in that habit. And you just become complacent in it. And you become accepting, accepting of it. And then number six, from complacency to apathy, and from apathy then to dependence, And then from dependence, right back again to bondage. Go back to number five, if you would, just a moment. Is this the one you said, honey? Pardon? You you said number seven. Go, Go back to the other one, number seven. From apathy to dependence. And and I said, I'm I'm not sure. I think we're at number six, but maybe pushing on number seven. From complacency to apathy, don't know, don't care. As long as I'm okay, I'm all right. From apathy to dependence, we're living in a nation today where so many people are dependent upon the government. And I can see where Pam said that. And that once you get into that dependency of somebody else is going to take care of me, guess what happens? You stop taking care of yourself. I don't know how it is in Kenya, but I bet it's like the Sudan. In the Sudan, if you don't work, you don't eat. 
and the government's not there to take care of you. And, uh, and, and the government of the Sudan, they're still struggling, they're still growing, but they'll tell you, you go out and eat, you plant, you, cro- you get your crop and you eat, and if you don't do that, you're not going to eat, and we're not going to take care of you. And guess what the people do? <laughs> they go out and they plant and they eat because they want to eat. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have systems here, but what we've done is had a lot of people that have become dependent upon our government. Now, I say all that because you fill in the blanks. I didn't know that wasn't going to fit on one, but uh, you can't see it all together there. But, you know, you determine where is this nation? Where do you think it is? And then what are we going to do about it? Now, I want to give you some things we can do. This just happened recently, and it happened uh, by our administration. I don't know if the president did it or not, and I am not saying things against the president. I'm telling you the truth. Franklin Graham, uh, this was a year or two ago. I think it might have been two years ago. Franklin Graham was scheduled to speak at the graduation ceremony for West Point. Franklin Graham is one of the foremost Americans preaching the Word of God and a scholar over America. I love the Graham family, Billy Graham's son. And Franklin Graham was scheduled to preach. And uh, it went up the chain of command for the military. And I, I don't know if it came from the White House or not, but I know who the commander-in-chief is. And, and, they, and they said he cannot speak because he has stated that there's only one way to heaven, Jesus Christ, and he has stated that homosexuality is a sin, and we will not have that in a graduation ceremony. Well, he wasn't going to speak on that anyway, but he's very outspoken by telling the truth. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, we need to tell the truth. This is something that's going on all through our nation. Now, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, what you bind on earth will what? Say it again. What you bind on earth will? Will be bound in the heavenlies. How about what you don't bind? Will it be bound? Not necessarily. How many of you have ever sat in front of your television set and bound the words of something that you've seen on the news? How many of you have spent a lot of time not binding anything? One hand went up. All the hands. I think we can all raise our hands. You see something, you know it's not right, and you let it go in here, rattle around, out here, and it's gone. Instead of saying, Lord, I bind that. That is contrary to the truth of your word. I bind that. You're here, and what you're binding is around the world somewhere. You're here, and what you're binding is New York, Washington, D.C., Istanbul. Do you have power anywhere in the world? Is there any distance in the realm of the Spirit? Absolutely not. How many people does it take to bind for God to answer the truth of His Word? One person. But if one person doesn't do anything, what happens? The devil is free. If 20 million evangelicals don't vote in the election, that would, have, that, that would change every election. If 20 million evangelicals vote the Word of God in every election, it would change every election from now through eternity. And you know what they do? They sit on their behinds and they don't do anything because they're complacent. We can make a difference. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, we can make a difference. You may be the only one praying and binding a situation or circumstance, but you can make the difference. And then the other thing in Matthew says, if anyone desires to come after me, deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. In other words, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going we're gonna to end with... with uh, John chapter 16, one of my favorite scriptures, because it's the Holy Spirit will always make the difference. But before we go there, I just want to share something with you. 
there is a fine line between becoming an enabler and becoming a person who proclaims truth. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I just said that? Can I see your hands? If you know what I'm talking about. How many of you know that from time to time, my hand is up? You've been an enabler. You just went along with the flow. That is not good. Proverbs, uh, John chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all, all truth, for he will speak not of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and give it to you. In other words, you're going to have provision. And all things that the Father has are mine, and therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Let's stand to our feet, and let me ask you this question. How many of you believe, as I believe, that there are great days ahead for the United States of America? Can I see your hands? I believe that. How many of you believe, as I believe, that if we continue moving the way we are with no change, that God eventually will judge this nation? God will judge all the nations of the world. We know that. It's not too late to make a difference. I don't believe it's too late to make a difference. You could be an influencer in the life of somebody going down that pit to hell right now by just proclaiming truth to them in love and saying, you know what? The direction you're going is the wrong way. And let me tell you what the Word of God says. Let me tell you what our nation is based on. Let me tell you that this is a Christian Judeo nation, that Christopher Columbus was on assignment from God. You didn't learn this in school, but I can tell you. I can tell you about the light and the glory. I can tell you about the Mayflower Compact. It was an evangelistic outreach. It was coming to be a bright light in the world so that we could shine it into the whole world and there would be no darkness in the world and that America would be as a result of the Mayflower Compact and nation that would be set on a hill and that people would flock to from Kenya and from other nations to be free and to be all that God called them to be. You have that ability. Your kids will not learn this in school. Get the book Original Intent, David Barton. Next week we'll have all the books in the bulletin. I'm amazed, shocked, and really I have to fight being dismayed at how many of our kids don't like to read. If you don't like to read, you're going to eventually be ignorant to truth. That's just a fact. You're going to be ignorant to truth. And what you're going to learn is what you hear from other people, but you will lose the truth. Adolf Hitler became a demonic despot in Germany because the people believed what he said, and he destroyed all the books he could so they couldn't read and learn the truth of their nation. That is going on as we speak in the United States of America. And if you don't train up your children and your grandchildren, God help this nation. But I believe God loves this nation. I really do. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for this country. I pray this message.